1-1-1-1-2-3. This one's called Mental Wellness. Greetings everyone. Good day. I hope everyone is doing well on this uh, lovely autumnal day. Here where I am in the northeast, it's uh, about 50 degrees, maybe a hair or two under that. Starting to really feel like the fall season. Good stuff. I'm out for a walk and today wanted to talk a wee bit about mental wellness. We hear so much about mental illness. Let's talk about the opposite. Let's talk about how we can optimize our mental health. And when our mental health is optimized, our physical health is optimized as well as our spiritual health, sexual health, psychic health, etc. So one of those key ways to maximize our mental wellness is to lower a hormone called cortisol. You've probably heard about this hormone before. It's all over the place with people having all types of issues related to cortisol. One of the most extreme issues related to cortisol is something called Cushing's syndrome, where someone gets this kind of uh, middle or torso obesity, and they have these like uh, thin limbs. Sometimes they call it sarconic obesity, like sarcopenia. And that's from extreme levels of this hormone being secreted in a response to stress, which of course are secreted by the adrenal glands, the two little wee glands that sit on top of the kidneys. So cortisol plays an essential role in regulating the bodily processes, including blood sugar levels, metabolism, and quote, immune function or support function. But just like everything else, in excess, it can cause problems, right? Just like estrogen, we need a wee bit of that in context, but too much causes problems. So there are ways to lower your cortisol. Most of them are pretty easy, pretty affordable, um, pretty attainable. Number one would be uh, reducing your intake of caffeine, especially things like coffee and chocolate, which appear to raise estradiol, which is one of the types of estrogen. It's typically the estrogen of um, the childbearing years, the estrogen that's associated with, um, you know, being able to have a pregnancy, have a menstrual cycle, and I believe that's the one that um, men's bodies makes as well. Then there's estriol, which is the one that occurs during pregnancy, and there's estrone, which occurs after uh, menopause. But uh, it's not just caffeine. There's something that's also in some plants that contain caffeine, like coffee and chocolate, which seem to fiddle with uh, stress hormones more than something like tea. And those are just the three main sources of caffeine, especially probably here in America. We also have stuff, there's a lot of caffeinated plants in South America. We have uh, the cola nut, which of course is uh, one of the main ingredients in Coca-Cola. That's why I believe what gives it its caffeine. Then we have uh, guayusa, guarana, yacón. So there are a lot of plants that actually have caffeine, which is considered a pesticide. And there are sometimes in acute um, instances some benefits for it. But if someone's already in a really like messed up state where their stress hormones are completely out of whack, and their sex hormones are low, caffeine, especially the ones that raise estradiol, like chocolate and coffee, can trigger the release of cortisol and can cause cortisol levels to stay elevated for an extended period of time. Now, of course, you'd want to avoid this, right? This constant elevation can lead to negative consequences like weight gain, impaired, quote, immune or support function, and decreased bone density. So if you reduce caffeine, you can lower your cortisol, right? 
So whilst total elimination of caffeine may not be necessary, it is essential to monitor and limit intakes, especially during stressful periods. Like for women sometimes, it's easier for them, like if they're in the childbearing years, easier for them to have it in the follicular phase, the first half of the cycle, than it is for the luteal phase. Oftentimes women who are post-change, who have gone through menopause, they find it uh, very hard to have caffeine. And remember, it all depends on your health and the way that your body reacts to a change like menopause is completely related to how you lived your earlier years. So switching to decaffeinated beverages or herbal teas can be uh, alternatives. Keep in mind that decaf still contains some caffeine and also keep in mind that many herbs are stimulatory and or estrogenic. So something to consider there. A good herb that is not estrogenic and that is not stimulatory would be oat straw. It's a nervine. It can be very relaxing to the body, also um, good for the libido. So we get relaxed and calm and hot and horny. What a great combination. So things like tea, talking about tea before, there are two teas I will mention here that I think are a more gentle way to get just a subtle boost. One would be called kukicha. That's a Japanese uh, twig tea. Uh, cha in the Asian languages always means tea. So that's one to think about. Uh, it's very low in caffeine, albeit it still has some caffeine in it. And it's alkaline because oftentimes things like coffee and chocolate, they are also acidic. So to think about that as well, it's not just a one size fits all. And there's also something called genmai cha. Again, we hear the cha, so we know it's tea. And then genmai in Japanese language means rice. So this is a very light green tea with toasted brown rice exceedingly delicious. Uh, so these are two options for you if you don't want to totally delete caffeine, but you find that some of the stronger, more estradiol-rich forms of caffeine are causing issues. And of course, there could be certain times in your life when you can tolerate more or less, and caffeine tolerance is directly tied to liver health as well. They actually even use this test that um, will tell you if you have a good liver health or if your liver is on the lag in certain European countries where someone will drink coffee and depending on how they respond to the coffee it will be indicative of what their liver health is like. So number one, reduce intake of caffeinated um, essentially beverages, I guess chocolates of food, so that would be a food too. And of course this kind of goes without saying but I'll say it anyway, the darker the chocolate the more caffeine but typically the darker the chocolate the less sugar or sweetener, not always um, but that's just something to remember. And uh, white chocolate does not have any caffeine in it because it's only the cacao powder constituent that has the caffeine, the cacao butter does not. Okay, very simple to do. Uh, doesn't really cost any money. Actually, you could probably save money doing that, right? Number two, get adequate sleep. Lack of sleep can cause cortisol levels to spike, leading to an increased feeling of anxiety and tension. Cortisol is important for regulating the body's response to stress, but when levels remain high for prolonged periods, it can have a negative effect on your health. Chronic stress can cause all types of problems, weight gain, high blood pressure, etc. So to keep cortisol levels under control, recommended to get around seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Women typically need a little bit more sleep too. We're always told there's no difference between the sexes. We know this is a hollow hoax, obviously. But women sometimes need at least one hour more of sleep than men, so don't feel bad or guilty if you need more sleep than your mate. Ensuring that you have a consistent sleep schedule and creating a relaxing bedtime routine can also help improve quality of sleep. Sleeping in total darkness, um, 
utilizing earplugs if you live somewhere where there's a lot of you know noise pollution obviously not blasting yourself with blue light before you go to sleep and like they said having a wind down routine maybe some red light therapy maybe reading a book in bed with red light uh, something like that there's a lot there's a lot of ways to create a downtime even doing something with your skincare routine like using some you know nice uh, massage techniques on your face when you do your bedtime routine of putting on uh, your lotions and all that type of stuff number three what I'm doing right now spend more time outside spending time in nature has been shown to have a calming effect on the mind and body reducing stress and anxiety this has been attributed to the increased exposure to natural light and fresh air something that a lot of people especially a lot of youngsters are not getting adequate levels of additionally an outdoor activity such as hiking or gardening can be a form of physical exercise, which is also an effective way to lower cortisol. Keep in mind that very, very intense exercise, especially done in a fasted state, will raise cortisol. So we don't want that. So like waking up in the morning, chugging um, black coffee straight away, and then doing like HIIT or CrossFit, that's not something that you want to do. You might be able to get away with it for a little bit of time, especially men, but there comes a time when what comes up must go down. Taking breaks throughout the day to step outside and soak up some sun can also help lower cortisol levels in the body. And that's good for your circadian rhythm too. Number four, invest in your hobbies. By investing more time in your hobbies, you can reduce your stress level and achieve a better quality of life. Whether it's painting, hiking, knitting, any activity you enjoy, cooking, engaging in it regularly can help you unlax and rewind. You have satisfaction from doing something you love, which can lead to a positive outlook on life, which in turn will help lower cortisol levels. Hobbies can also offer an escape from daily stressors that could be detrimental to mental and physical health. So yeah, always make time for your hobbies. Uh, scrolling the internet, not a hobby. Watching movies, mm, not really a hobby. A hobby is something that is creative, that produces something. That's a hobby. The other things are just pastimes. Number five, journaling. Journaling has been shown to be a beneficial tool for managing stress and reducing cortisol. By regularly journaling about stressful events or feelings, individuals can process their emotions and thoughts, which may reduce the intensity of their stress response. Overall, this can help lower cortisol levels and improve health. Journaling is also a wonderful form of self-reflection and provides individuals with insights into their behaviors and patterns, which can help them identify what is a source of stress in their lives. So sometimes we don't even realize we're kind of operating on this autopilot not even understanding what is causing us to feel the way we do so gaining that awareness is incredibly incredibly um, you know very worthy thing it can't be underestimated number six cut out excess sugar now I'm not talking about carbohydrates now of course there would be a thing if you were eating like a thousand grams of carbohydrates a day and you were sedentary that's an issue obviously but Keep in mind that when you eat very simple sugars, especially if you're already in a stressed out state, you're going to um, absorb and metabolize it very quickly and you're going to get an up and a down and that can cause a spike in blood sugar, especially if you're doing it just solo and you're not pairing it with a protein or a lipid, right? So you're better off focusing on nutrient-dense carbohydrates, um, something like that has you know fiber and minerals along with it, like fruits and vegetables, uh, probably prepared whole grains, 
uh, you know, the vegetables that would be like more like the starchy vegetables would have more carbohydrates, albeit all vegetables have carbohydrates, but something like a zucchini is far less than like, let's say, squash. And right now, it really, in the Northeast, you know, zucchini is really not part of the menu. Uh, you know, well-soaked beans, things like that. But it just helps keep your blood sugar more stable. So it's always a good thing to be aware of this. Now, can you have a treat occasionally now and again? Yeah, sure, of course. But if you know you're in like a really stressed out place, you're going to want to eat foods that more slowly absorb into your body, into your bloodstream to keep your blood sugar more even, right? Makes total sense. And if you are going to have the more simplistic or simple sugars, always make sure to pair them with, you know, a properly prepared um, protein, animal protein, and uh, a lipid, preferably a saturated fat lipid. And not too many lipids too, because too many lipids can fiddle with the, uh, the liver health. And then if your liver health is in the toilet, then your stress is going to be high. Um, these diets about eating all this fat, this is not ancestral fat if we look back historically. Of course, in some areas it was more abundant than others, like in the uh, Alaskan tundra. Of course, it was a more abundant lipid than, let's say, uh, carbohydrates. But in general, fat is a, is a sacred um, macronutrient. We didn't have abundant levels of it for the most part in most areas of the world. So the idea that we can eat this diet that's loaded with fat is really just like a modern, it's a modern spin on what we think is really ancestral. And the whole idea of an ancestral diet, there really is no one ancestral diet. Just like there's really no one macrobiotic diet or one bioenergetic diet because it's all going to depend on you, your constitution, uh, your age, your race, your sex, um, you know, where you are in the world, located. Like, even if you're someone who's from a northern country, but you're living somewhere in, like, more of a southern region, your diet's probably going to be different there than it would be if you were living in the north. So there's really no one-size-fits-all. Are there better foods oftentimes, most of the time? Yeah, there are, but there is no one-size-fits-all. Number seven would be to take supplements that can be an effective way to manage stress and anxiety. Now, some people favor things like fish oils to reduce inflammation. That's a band-aid. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Some people favor things like iodine to reduce TSH, which is thyroid-stimulating hormone, to get that number down. Um, I think that's just a band-aid. I'm not a fan of that. Some people think you should eat a ton of like adaptogenic uh, herbals to get down your stress. Mm, that can help too a, a bit, but I think a, a more wise approach, kind of a more long-term approach, a more holistic approach, is to uh, lower some of the stress hormones in the body naturally by taking a more nutrified approach. And that would be kind of referring to one of the last broadcasts called the Tabby Cocktail, where we talked about uh, you know, taking some USP aspirin, like a small dose of aspirin, like 110 milligrams, um, vitamin K, uh, thyroid supplement, even something like vitamin D can help, getting the right diet, uh, all the things I went over on that little thing, uh, getting exercise, I think those supplements, uh, magnesium, I think those supplements are far better because there's so many supplements out there that are really just expensive piss. They're hoaxes. They're going to harm your liver, uh, and the same thing with the herbs, like I spoke of earlier. A lot of these herbs are super estrogenic, super stimulatory. What you really want is you want to take things that are balancing, 
that are nutrifying and if anything will you know drain excess things out of your system like if we're talking from a TCN perspective you know draining dampness we're talking from like a bioenergetic perspective lowering estrogen and cortisol prolactin etc so there's many things to think about in this perspective just blindly taking supplements is probably not the best protocol and I feel like since the virus since there were like so many of those kind of like alternative health protocols out there for you know combating the quote virus a lot of people became very um, interested in supplements which is a it's a good thing they're getting off of maybe like the, the Zog medications and things like that but we have to be careful that we're not just blindly taking a bunch of sludge and just getting expensive piss in the tax liver. Okay, number eight, the last one on the list would be starting a somatic program or a somatic exercise program. So somatic exercise or somatics in general is a form of movement that emphasizes body awareness and sensory experience, helping to moderate the body's response to stress. So a good way to describe this in a nutshell is if you go to like a a regular kind of psychologist. It's all cerebral. It's all in your head. You talk ad nauseum about your problems. You rewound yourself by opening it up over and over again, rehashing something that happened 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And you really don't get to the bottom of it. But when you do something somatic and you talk about where you have the physical tension, how you can increase relaxation, how you can lower the stress, this is really getting to the root of it. So if someone has like a feeling in their stomach, a pit in their throat, um, pain in the back of their neck, all of this can be very helpful, these somatic movement practices or somatic therapy in general. For humans that are struggling with chronic stress, PTSD, anxiety, trauma-related disorders, even what we're calling like ADHD and autism, to me these are all responses to how a person handled a traumatic event. And remember that with a traumatic event, it becomes a trauma based on how you feel about it. So we can bolt stub our toe, you listening and me can bolt stub our toe, how we react to that is what creates the trauma right? The event could be more traumatizing for one of us, but how we react to it is how that happens. So by incorporating somatic exercise or somatic therapy into one's wellness routine, it's possible to improve overall health and well-being whilst managing stress levels. So very important information because so many things we're taught these days is all very cerebral, very young, uh, overly masculine, not to say anything negative about masculinity, but it's imbalanced masculine energy. And when we're all we're doing, we're living in this very, you know, AI fueled Aquarian age, we're taking in all of this kind of information, very left brained, we're forgetting to, to think about the body, think about things in a feminine, a balanced way, think about intuition, think about nurturing ourselves as opposed to just trying to make war with the body and, you know, force it into something. Another thing with somatics is that it's not about ridding your body of this horrible feeling that you're having. It's about transmutating that gnarly feeling into something that's positive. And then the Tao is the same way. We don't want to purge this key from the body. We want to transmute this key in the body, right? We want to change it into something. That's really what we want to do. If we're just purging it, we're actually giving our energy away. So we want to figure out a way to kind of work with it, to mold it. It's malleable and form it into something that actually serves us as opposed to something that's detrimental. 
So I think that's all I have for today on this wee little clip called Mental Wellness. Eight steps right there to lower uh, cortisol and stress. Again, let's list them. Reduce intake of caffeinated beverages slash foods, getting adequate sleep, spending more time outdoors, investing in one's hobbies, journaling, cutting out excessive sugars, taking the right supplements, and starting a somatic exercise or therapy program. So I think I'll leave it at that. I'm uh, on to finish my walk, rather begin my walk, because I haven't really begun it yet. And I'll be back soon with something else uh, juicy and groovy and all that jazz. Okay, until next time, Satnam.